Well, good morning to each and every one of you, whether you're here on site or online, you're part of the Woodville family. And I am so honored and excited to stand here today to share from God's word. Well, we're in a seven-part sermon series. Today is part number five. And we're taking seven Sundays to explore those, those incredible I am sayings of Jesus that are unique to the gospel of John. And today in part number five, we want to explore the saying that is found in the gospel of John chapter 11, verse 44, where Jesus said to Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. We know that Jesus was raised to life, but here he declares that he is the resurrection. He is the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. I don't know what you're walking through today, but I know all of us are walking through the COVID season. I don't know what area of your life feels dead. It feels, it feels not alive. It feels like it's over. It feels like it's finished. I want to declare today that Jesus can take what is dead in our life and bring it back to life. Why? Because he is the resurrection. He is the life. I want to invite you to bow your heads with me. Father God, I'm praying in these next few moments before we celebrate communion, I pray for every boy, every girl, every teenager, every adult here on site, online, that God, you would give us ears to hear and may your word this morning come to life and encourage us. I pray it now in Jesus' name, amen. For just a couple of moments this morning, I wanna give to you from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, where Jesus raised Lazarus to life. I want to explore with you today four unexpected things that Jesus did. They were unexpected, but they were powerful. The first thing I want to explore with you, number one, is that Jesus waited. He actually waited. And I want to take you to verse 1 down to verse 7, and I want to read this to you. We're going to see how Jesus unexpectedly waited. In verse number 1, now a man named Lazarus was sick. Everybody say Lazarus. One, two, three. Lazarus. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. They were Two sisters and a brother living in Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem. Verse number two, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Verse three, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory. So that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, please, would you notice with me verse 5? It's so key. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Please don't miss this verse. Obviously, verse 5 comes before verse 6. But we just read Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then in verse 7, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. I want you to notice in verse 5, we read that, that Jesus loved Mary. Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loved Lazarus. But he, Lazarus is sick. And instead of going immediately, Jesus waits two more days. Church, I want you to notice that love waits. 
I want you to notice today the fact that Jesus waited wasn't punishment. It, it wasn't Jesus trying to get at Lazarus and get at Mary and Martha. It was out of love that he waited. And I want to give you two observations about Jesus waiting. And the first one is, I love this, Jesus sees the future in ways that you do not even in this pandemic, when we're, we're discouraged and, and, and we're, we're struggling and it's, and it's hard and it's difficult, I'm glad to say that Jesus, who is in your past, is in your today, and he's in the future. And he sees the future in ways that you and I do not. Come on, somebody say amen to that. He sees the future in ways that we do not. He makes no mistakes. He's up to something big, and he sees the future of your life in ways that you do not. But then there's number two. Jesus knows way more, far more about timing than you and I ever will. I don't know about you, but I find it hard waiting. I really do. It's not easy to wait. And sometimes we think, Jesus, you should be doing this now. But aren't you glad Jesus is never early? But aren't you glad he's never late? Amen. And he understands timing in your life far more better than you and I ever will. You may not understand why that promotion hasn't happened yet. You may not understand why, why marriage hasn't happened yet. You may not understand why something hasn't happened yet. But God understands about timing way more than you and I ever will. So number one, Jesus waited. But then there's number two, Jesus went. He went. And for just a couple of moments, I want to explore in verse 8 down to verse 27. First of all, two things about walking in the daylight. Now, before we look at that, any, anybody enjoy that extra hour of sleep last night? Anybody enjoy it? Isn't it great? I, I was sharing with someone before the service that I, I remember seeing people come late to church, early to church when time changes. But my best story is when we were pastoring in Godrich, our first church, and I was single, wasn't married yet, and it's a hot Saturday in the summer, and I'm in my office studying. I'm wearing my, my shorts, and, and, and I didn't even wash my hair that morning. I was unshaved and had a T-shirt on that was ripped because I'm in my office all alone. And someone's at the back door of the church pounding to get in. I open the door, and it's a lovely senior couple dressed to the hilt. And they looked at me, and they said, Pastor, what, what are you doing? I said, I'm studying. You're, you're wearing shorts. I'm like, oh my goodness, it's Saturday. Did I just offend them? The more I talked, the more I realized I knew it was Saturday. They thought it was Sunday morning. They came to church a day early. Oh, did we have a good laugh. Well, just for a couple of moments, I want to explore to you two things about walking in the daylight. Number one, please note this. There's time enough to do God's will, but there is not time enough to waste. Church, if we believe Jesus Christ is coming back soon, there's time enough to do his will, but there's, there's definitely not time enough to waste. Look at verse 8 and verse 9. I mean, Jesus waits those two days before he goes back to Judea. But look at verse 8. The, the disciples said, but Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, yet you're going back like, come on, Jesus. Why would you go back? I mean, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get in trouble. Come on, Jesus. Don't do this. But look at verse 9. Jesus said, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. Whether you are in the auditorium or you're watching online, God has a plan for your life. Do not waste your life. You've got only time enough to do the will of God, but you don't have time enough to waste it. 
Invest your life for the kingdom of God. But then there's number two. The greatest danger of life is not walking in the light that God has given to you. God has given you the light, and you need to walk in the light. And sometimes the will of God is difficult. And Lynn, our missionary, several weeks ago reminded us that the safest place to be is right in the center of the will of God. And church, you might suffer in the light, but it's better to suffer in the light than to stumble in the dark. And the greatest danger is not walking and living in the light that God has given you. Look at verse 10. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. The second thing I want to point out to you in these verses, verse verse 17 down to verse 22, three keys about faith. Because Jesus talks to us about faith in this text. And the first thing, he tells us that we, we need to have faith, number one, in what Jesus can do. Number one, in what Jesus can do. Let's read verse 17 down to verse 22. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. He wasn't just sick, he died. And he's in the tomb for four days. Verse 18, now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Verse 19, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. In verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I want you to underline the word my Because the word my that's been translated from Greek to English my in its word placement in Greek language is placed with great significance because the emphasis is on my. Because here Martha is telling Jesus the death of Lazarus has affected her. If you had been her, my brother would not have died. Look at verse 22. "But, But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask because Martha knew that Jesus could do whatever he wants. Number one, faith in what Jesus can do. But then there's number two, faith in what Jesus says. Not just faith in what he can do, but faith in what he says. Look at verse 23, down to verse 26. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, here it is, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And verse 26, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then Jesus says to her, do you believe this? So number one, we notice that Jesus talks about faith and what he can do. Number two, faith in what he says. But then number three, faith in who Jesus is. Number one, what he can do. Number two, what he says. Number three, in who he is. And in verse 27, yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the son of God who is to come You are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into this world. There we learn that Martha believed in who Jesus is. Now, I want you to notice this. It started in what he can do, then it focused on what he said, and then it focused in who he is. But you and I today must start believing in who he is. And church, when you believe in who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, he is the Son of God, he is God, it'll be easier for you to believe what he says. And when you believe what he says, you'll begin to believe that he can do anything because all things are possible with the Lord. Come on, someone give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord. And I want to encourage you, church, youngest to eldest, believe in who he is. Jesus is not just Son of Man, He's son of God. 
Jesus was not just a man on earth. He is God. He is the Messiah. He is the living one. We don't just believe in who he is. We believe what he says. And when we believe what he says, we will believe what he does. The third unexpected thing that Jesus did, number three, is Jesus wept. And I want to explore with you for a couple of moments, verse 28 down to verse 37. And let me read these verses. Let me begin in verse 28. After she said this, she went back and she called her sister Mary aside and said, the teacher is here and he's asking for you. Don't you love those words? The teacher is here and he's asking for you. Verse 29, when Mary heard this, she got up, quickly went to him. Verse 30, now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. Verse 31, when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, church, doesn't that sound just like the words that Mary's sister Martha said? They're the same. But the emphasis here in the original Greek, which gives the formation of the words and the order structure for emphasis, puts more emphasis on brother than my. Martha said, my brother has died. Mary says, my brother has died. They were grieving differently, but they both were grieving. Look at verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Now, can I focus on the words deeply moved in spirit? This might shock you, but when you study this word in the original Greek, it's, it's the sound of a horse snorting. You ever heard a horse snort? And if anyone's been on a farm before, horses will snort when they're angry. And I, I won't even illustrate the snort sound, all right? But it's, it's an angry sound, an upset sound. I'm, I'm, I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm angry. And I want you to notice here, he was deeply moved in spirit. I, I happen to believe that Jesus was upset. He was indignant at how the death of Lazarus had affected Mary and affected Martha. And I don't want anyone to miss it today, online, on site, that whatever you're walking through, it moves Jesus. It upsets Jesus to know that you are hurting. It breaks the heart of God to know that you're struggling. It, it really grieves him on the inside. He's hurting when you're hurting. Did you get that this morning? He hurts because you hurt. And there it says he was deeply moved in spirit. And then it says he was troubled. And, and the Greek word for troubled means distressed. It means restless. And one Bible scholar actually says it means shaking. And I want you for a moment to picture Jesus, not emotionless Jesus, but motion-filled Jesus, so indignant and angry and upset because Mary and Martha are hurting and he begins to shake. He, he physically begins to shake and he begins to sob because he's hurting because Mary and Martha are hurting. Look at verse 36. Uh, verse 34, I'm sorry. Jesus said, where have you laid them? Where have you laid him? He asked, come and see, Lord, they replied. 
And then there's 35, it says, Jesus, Jesus wept. Now, all of you probably think that's the shortest verse in the Bible because that's what every preacher has told you. It's not the shortest verse in the Bible. And some of you are looking at me like, really? It's not the shortest verse in the Bible. It's the shortest verse. It's the shortest verse in English, but it's not the shortest verse in Greek. The shortest, and I'm going to take you on a journey here for a reason. The shortest verse in the Greek language with less Greek letters than Jesus wept is 1 Thessalonians 5.16. And some of you are thinking, what does it say in 1 Thessalonians 5.16? It says, always rejoice. And 1 Thessalonians 5.16, original Greek, less letters than Greek, Jesus wept. Now, now I'm going to bring them together in a moment. It says in verse 35, Jesus wept. And I want you to picture Jesus shaking, convulsing, agonizing, hurting, because, because Mary and Martha are hurting. And there's two things I want you to write in your notes. Number one, faith doesn't mean you lose all emotion. Faith doesn't mean that you have to be so stellar and so steadfast that you can't weep, you can't cry, you can't grieve, you can't, you can't express emotion. Jesus, God has given you emotion, and it's okay to cry. It's okay to weep. It's okay to be filled with emotion. Emotion doesn't mean lack of faith. Jesus himself wept. Now, then there's number two. Love means you enter into life with people. Jesus was hurting because Martha and Mary was hurting, and he entered into their hurts. And one of the joys of being part of the family of God, now here's where I connect, Jesus wept and always rejoice, always rejoice is the shortest verse in the Bible in the original language. I want to challenge you and I to enter into people's life. When someone is rejoicing, rejoice with them. When they get a promotion, celebrate with them. When God's blessing is upon them, celebrate the blessing of God on them. When something's going good in their life, celebrate with them. But when they're hurting, cry with them. Can we be a church that hurts when people hurt and celebrate when people celebrate? Can we be a church that's not afraid of emotion? When someone loses a loved one, they're not looking for your Christian cliches. They just want you to weep when they weep. And church, when someone has a happy moment, they want you to celebrate when they celebrate. Come on, church. We need to get into the lives of one another. But the final thing I want to share with you, number four, the final unexpected thing Jesus did is Jesus worked. I mean, he did a great miracle. And I want to close this brief message today with what Jesus did to Lazarus. And I want to talk to you in our final moments how to bring what is dead back to life. How to bring what is dead back. What is dead in your life right now? How can it come back to life? Number one, I want you to, number one, write this in your notes. Please know Jesus cares about you more than you can ever imagine. How do I know that? Because in verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved. It's the same Greek word that was used before he wept, snorting like a horse, indignant, gripped with emotion. But Jesus here, verse 38, wasn't just deeply moved. He 
came to the tomb. Don't miss it, church. Jesus didn't just cry. He went to the place of death. He went to the tomb where the body of Lazarus was buried. Jesus is so moved by what you're going through. He wants to come to your tomb. He wants to come to what you feel is dead. He wants to come right to the place of your pain. It says it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. You see, love doesn't just wait. Love moves into your life and comes right to your place of pain and your place of hurt. There are people sitting here. There are people watching online that your heart is aching and there's pain and there's hurt. Jesus cares for you and he comes right to your place of pain. Number one, no, Jesus cares. Number two, act by faith. What is Jesus asking you to do? What's the first thing that he calls you to do? Look at verse 39. Take away the stone. Church, Jesus could have moved the stone away. You know that. But he asked them to take away the stone. Why? To take a step of faith. Notice this, verse 39. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha said the sister of the dead man, by this time, there's a bad odor for he's been there four days. Now, the NIV, in my opinion, doesn't do as much justice as the King James Version. I love the good old King James Version. Behold, he stinketh. Don't you love that? Behold, he he stinketh. <laughs> Take away the stone. But Lord, Martha, the sister of the dead man, this time there's a bad, he stinketh. He's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So verse 41, they, they took away the stone. Act by faith. What is Jesus asking you to do? That's a big step of faith. Take that step. Then there's number three. Pray with faith. Don't just act by faith. Pray with faith. I'll tell you, church, I pray faith would arise in this place in Jesus' name. Come on, I said may faith arise in this place. I said may faith arise in this place in Jesus' name. May faith arise. Now, in verse 41, 42, Jesus prays with faith to get Mary and Martha to be marked with faith. Jesus looked up, verse 41, said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Whew, aren't you glad Jesus hears your prayers? Come on, anybody glad? Anybody glad Jesus hears your prayers? Father, I thank you, you've heard me. Verse 42, I knew that you always hear me. Church, he's heard every prayer you pray. You might feel heaven is brass, but he's heard every prayer that you prayed. I knew that you always hear me, but I said for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus prays with faith for faith. May faith rise up. Then there's number four. Hear the powerful word of Jesus just for you. I want to say to this place today, everyone on this main auditorium, everyone up in the balcony and everyone watching online, Woodvale family, Jesus has a personal powerful word for you in your life situation. And the word that Jesus had for last, now watch this, look at verse 23. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, and the Greek word for loud means a commanding voice, a mega voice, a powerful voice. It's not loudness that made it powerful. What made it powerful was who he is. How many people know Jesus is power? Come on. How many people know Jesus is healer? Jesus 
is the resurrection. Jesus is the life. Why could he call Lazarus back to life? Why could he call Lazarus to be raised to life? Because he is the resurrection. Jesus called a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. You know what the name Lazarus means? God is my help. I don't think it's an accident that Lazarus' name means God is my help. Because I believe the Lord wants to say to you and I today, he is your help. Now, please notice he didn't say, come out. He said, Lazarus, come out. You know why he said, Lazarus, come out versus come out? Because his voice was so powerful that in that cemetery, if he said, come out, every single dead body would have come out of their grave. Woo. But he had a word just for Lazarus. God is my help. Lazarus, come out. I want to declare today that the word of God is powerful. And there's a word. What are you walking through? What is dead? What needs to come back to life? What do you feel is helpless and hopeless and over and finished? What do you feel is shut down? It's, it's done. It's dead. It's dormant. I'm here to declare to you, Jesus has got a powerful word over your life today as he had for Lazarus. He's saying, come out. Now, number five, lastly, respond to the miracle. Respond to the miracle. Number five, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen. Now, I got a very active mind, and I'm picturing this guy wrapped from head to toe. And if this wasn't COVID, I'd have someone on the platform wrapped from head to toe right now. Now picture yourself wrapped head to toe. How do you come out? Here's how I'm picturing it. (laughs) And he comes out wrapped from head to toe and he's alive. (sighs) Look at verse 44. It's my, my translation is the dead man came out, but, but the original Greek says the man who had died came out. Not the dead man came out. The man who had died, past tense, came out. His hands and his feet are wrapped with strips of linen. That's what they did in those days. They wrapped you with linen real tight and wrapped it around your head and you're just, just mummified, right? And he's just, he's there and he's covered. He's alive. He's alive, but he's wrapped with linen all around him. Strips of linen and cloth around his face. Now, Jesus said to them, to the disciples, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, church, Jesus could have miraculously ripped those grave clothes off. Of course, if he could bring the man from dead to life, he could just say in the name of Jesus, grave clothes come off. He does does what no one else can do. Watch this. But then he asked man to do what they can do. He says, I brought him to life. You can't do that. But I want you to participate as well. I want you now to go up to the man who was dead, who's now alive. And I want you to unwrap and take off those grave clothes. I did what I'm doing. Now I want you to be a part. See, church, when Jesus does a miracle in your marriage, there might still be some grave clothes to come off. You still might need some counseling to help you stay on a good journey. When Jesus sets you free from alcohol, you still might need an accountability partner to help you stay clean and dry from the bottle. You see, Jesus will do what only he can do, but he wants to use the church to come alongside and participate and help respond to the miracle. I got a word for the house today. 
Jesus is showing up to the tomb area of your life. And he's saying, come out, Lazarus, in the name of Jesus. And he's calling the church to come alongside and help take off the grave clothes. I'll tell you, friends, it might be the COVID season. And the days are going to feel shorter. And the winter's going to come. And we don't know when it's going to end. And there might be a lot of darkness around us, a lot of discouragement around us. But I'm here to declare to you today that Jesus can take what is dead and he can bring it back to life. He can heal you of that disease in your body. He can restore a broken marriage in the name of the Lord. He can bring back a prodigal son or daughter in the name of the Lord. He can set the alcohol free in the name of the Lord. He is the resurrection and the life. Come on, church, somebody. Somebody give a little clap offering a praise. Nothing is impossible with God. Would you get on your feet? I want the worship band and team to come. Father God, I pray that this word that I believe you wanted me to share today would sink into the hearts of everyone from youngest to eldest on site, online. I pray God that we would take these four unexpected things that you, Jesus, did in John chapter 11. And I'm praying in the name of the Lord that you would bring it to life in our spirits. And I'm praying in the name of the Lord God Almighty that you would encourage us. I'm praying in the name of the Lord God Almighty that you would come to the tomb, the dead areas of our life. And you, Jesus, would give us a personal, powerful word. And you would bring back to life any dead area of our life in the mighty, precious name of Jesus. So God, I pray that we'd have faith in who you are. And when we got faith in who you are, we're going to have faith in what you say. And we have faith in what you say, we're going to have faith in what you can do. So God, we don't worship you for what you do. We worship you for who you are. And we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your eyes, put your hands together, give a loud clap offering of praise to the Lord God Almighty. Pastor Brad and I were chatting this week, and there's a song that we, it's been in his heart for weeks, and this is the week for it's called, it's called Raised to Life. Come on. Come on, let's worship together as the band leads and as the band sings. Precious compassion that pours from the wounds that have won our salvation. Sin was strong, but the Savior is stronger. Come, let us worship the debt that we owe, and how high was the price of our healing, paid in full by the one who is worthy, come let us worship Him. Grace to life with Christ the same. Now I 
celebrate communion together but before we do we've asked a father and daughter to to reach scripture and to pray and Praveen if you'd be so kind just to read the communion passage and your daughter Abigail is going to lead us in prayer so God bless you let's open a Bible and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 for I for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Jesus, thank you for this day, and thank you for bringing us to church to praise and worship you. Thank you for protecting us at the last month and getting us to the month of November. As we partake in the Holy Communion, we remember you died for us, your body was broken for us. You shed your blood for us, you delivered us from our sins. Thank you, Lord, that you took our punishment. You says, please forgive our sins. Lord, please help us to recommit our life, our heart, our thoughts, and everything today. In Jesus' name, Amen. It's powerful. Thank you so much. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Just a couple of moments. We're going to partake of the emblems. But if you're standing here on the main level up in the balcony, or you're watching online, you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and be the center of your life, I want to give you the opportunity today to make your peace with God through Jesus Christ. God so loved the world, gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Was there a time, a place, a moment that you asked Jesus to come into your life? Are you positive today's the day that you stepped into eternity, that you're ready for heaven? I don't want you to leave this service today not knowing that you're ready for heaven. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you've never asked Christ to come in your life, I want you to join me in this prayer. We're going to, we're going to join you as you pray. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus. I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. Today, I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. I make my peace with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Open your eyes and look this way. I believe there's, there's, there's a number of you on site and online that you prayed that prayer. You made your peace with God through Jesus Christ. If you're on site on your way out this morning, we have tables. We've got friendly people there. We've got a Bible for you, a little booklet for you. They can tell you how we can help you in your new faith journey. And if you're watching online and you accepted Christ today, you will see on the platforms where the service is presented that you can reach out to us and we're going to reach back to you. We're going to help you in your new faith journey. But friends, I want you to take the little packet. If you haven't done so already, just peel back the upper layer and pull out the little wafer. And that little wafer represents the body of Jesus. Today on the first Sunday of the month in this unite service, we are celebrating communion and we are thanking Jesus. We're thanking Jesus by celebrating communion for what he's done. And we're looking ahead to his return because someday he's coming back. Amen. 
And so I want to invite you together with me to take this little wafer and let's partake. Jesus said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Just peel back the next layer for the cup of juice. And this little cup of juice represents the blood of Jesus. And Jesus in that last supper said, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together of the cup of juice that represents the blood of Jesus. Pastor Brad's sin might be strong, but Jesus is stronger, amen. Come on, church, sin might be strong, but Jesus is stronger. Just, just lead us a little bit in that part just before we close. to the Lord God Almighty. Well, in just a moment, I'm going to close us in prayer. And I am so glad that you've joined us on site or online. And a shout out welcome to all of our guests. Can we give a great big warm welcome to all of our guests? We're so glad that you joined us today. And if you're on site and this is your first time here, on your way out, drop by a table. We got a, a special gift for you, a coffee card, our way of saying thank you for coming. And if you join us on site and you're prepared to give of tithes and offerings, there are ushers at the back and debit machines in the lobby. But if you'd like prayer this morning, at the end of the service, after the auditorium is emptied, there's going to be some altar workers, ministry team members standing at the front, and they'd love to pray for you properly, physically distanced and abiding by all the rules and regulations. But we're going to pray that Jesus would touch you and they'll be standing at the front and don't miss this moment. It's a great moment for personal prayer. I also want to remind you as you exit, we can't yet use our lobby for fellowshipping and hanging out. I know we want to, but we can't. And we just need to get our coats and make our way outside and fellowship outside. I know it's a little cooler, but we can do it. And just to remain that, that proper distance. So we, we leave that with you. And I'm so glad that you've joined us today on site and online and could you just lift your hands to the heavens? In our final moments, I want to pray for you. Father God, it's been great to gather this here this morning. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the worship of song. 
Thank you, God, for the worship of giving of our tithes and our offerings. Thank you, God, for the worship of the word. And I pray, God, that we would take the word, let it soak in our hearts. And I pray, God, that you would bring to life areas in our lives that are dead. I pray, God, that you wrap your arms around this church and flood us with hope and encouragement. I pray, God, that you would lift our spirits. And I pray you give us a great day and a great week. Bless each one. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.